You know, we often hear this idea, I just want to make him happy. I just want to make her happy. I just want to make people happy. You know, it could be just an individual relationship. It could be how just people in general. I mean, you do often hear it in relationships. Women say it out loud more. Out loud. Women say it out loud more. They do. Like, I just want to make him happy. What can I do to make him happy? But men are trying to do that all the time, too. But the funny thing is, that's not what people are actually trying to do. They say that. They say they want to make someone happy. But what they're actually trying to do is make someone not unhappy. You know, whenever you see someone exerting any kind of effort to change someone's mood or temperament for the better, they're usually not actually trying to make them happy. I mean, sometimes. It's not that, that's, it's not that that doesn't happen. But most of the time that you see it, they're more worried about getting that person out of a bad state or preventing them from being in a bad state. Very rarely do you see someone and, and you're like, oh, he seems all right. He seems like he's doing fine. He seems like he's doing fine. He seems like he's, he's pretty neutral. You know, he's, he's got some equanimity to him. And then you think, how can I make that person happier? Usually it's like, I want to make sure I don't make that person unhappy. I want to make sure that if that person's unhappy, they don't stay unhappy. And not even for that person's sake itself. Oftentimes it's because like you don't want to get the brunt of someone's unhappiness or their anger or their sadness or whatever it is. You don't want to have that inflicted on you. So it's like you don't even want them to be not unhappy for their own sake. You also are like, I don't want them to be unhappy because of how that's going to make me feel or what I'm going to have to deal with. And I mean, I relate to that heavily. Like, you know, when I think of like doing something nice for a girlfriend, a girlfriend in the past, there have definitely been many times where I am trying to make her happy. I am trying to make life better for her. But I can think of way more times where I was just like, oh, she seems pissed off. How can I remedy this? Or I don't know how she's feeling. How can I make sure she doesn't get pissed off? Or upset or whatever else. And uh, I don't know. It's just funny though that like the framework around that idea is usually like making people happy. Making someone happy. When the reality is we're more concerned with the opposite. And we kind of throw away uh, the middle ground in all this. You know, I've been talking about this forever now. But how just existing in a neutral state is really the way to go. Because it's like, basically, you're in an elevator. And if you're in a neutral state, like the elevator takes you up, and you're like, oh, this, is, this view is even better up here. This view is even better. And then if you go back down, though, it's, you're kind of eased back down, and you don't fall all the way to the bottom. You don't, the elevator doesn't just drop you all the way to the basement. You go from feeling good to now back to neutral. And while maybe it's more fun to be happy, you at least didn't lose that much, and you can kind of just enjoy that things are just fine. And the same is true for when you're neutral and then something knocks you off balance and you feel shitty about something, you're upset. 
it's not that hard of a fall. Like if you're falling from happy to unhappy, if you're falling from good to bad, that's a hard fall. And if your goal when you're feeling bad is to get back up to good, that's a steep climb. Whereas your goal should always be like, I, I need to maintain neutrality. I need to have a neutral approach to this life. That way I go up and down, but it's never that severe. And it's not bad. There's nothing to complain about. Like I had a girl ask me a couple months ago, like, how do you deal with being bored? Really nice girl, young girl. She was just like, how do you deal with being bored? And I was like, you know, think about it this way. Like when you're bored, that means nothing terrible is going on. I can tell you like when something terrible or stressful or crazy is happening to you, you might wish it wasn't happening, but what you're experiencing isn't boredom. So, you know, it's, you can appreciate boredom on that level. Oh, I'm bored. That must mean that nothing absolutely awful is consuming me right now. I didn't rant at her like that, but I, I gave her like that basic answer. Like if, if you're bored, it means nothing that bad is happening right now. I was like, treat it like a state of Zen. Just appreciate that. I mean, as silly as it sounds, it, it just is what it is. But boredom tortures people. I still get bored. I don't like being bored. I mean, it's funny. Like, I have very few hours to myself most nights. And even in, like, the two hours that I have before bed where I'm just doing mindless stuff, looking at the internet, just whatever I want. Truly, I can do whatever I want. I often find myself being like, there's nothing to look at. There's nothing to read. There's nothing to read. You know, I often find that I'm just kind of bored. But I, I don't really... I don't worry about it. I'm just kind of like, I'm just meant to be bored and I'm meant to just kind of do nothing. Same thing with TV. I mean, a, f a friend of mine set up their, uh, their like streaming services on my TV. I didn't have any of those. So I have access to Netflix, HBO, something called Roku. Roku. Something called Roku. And other things as well. And I've gone through it. And I've certainly found things that I wanted to watch or enjoyed watching or were worth checking out. But it is the classic, like, oh, I have cable TV and there's nothing to watch. I got cable TV and there's nothing even to watch. Oh, I got a refrigerator full of food and there's nothing to eat. You know, it's, we all, it doesn't matter how much of something we have, boredom is inevitable or disinterest. Like, that's what happens when you scroll through movies. I'm scrolling through movies and TV series. Like, seriously, this cornucopia. Like, if it was 1990 and you were like, hey, with the click of just a couple buttons, I can access almost anything. Oh, except for a few things. There's a few movies I want to watch that aren't on here. And those stand out like the wandering sheep in the Bible. Like, the one sheep who wanders from the flock of a hundred and the shepherd chases after it. That's what you end up feeling like when you're looking at all these streaming services and you're like, oh, look at all these movies. Oh, but the one movie I want to watch, it's not here. Fuck this. Fuck this. I mean, I get that way using this thing with a TV remote. It's so hard to use. This is a whole like streaming discussion here, but a uh, streaming discussion. 
a screaming discussion, streaming and screaming. That's what I do. I, I do a lot of streaming and screaming. But looking at these streaming services, I'm just like, these are so, they're almost unusable. I'm sure people have, I'm sure there's a better way to do it. I'm sure that like some people have a TV that's like a computer pretty much. So you can just like look things up with a keyboard and a mouse or whatever. But just using a remote, it's, it's almost unusable. And a lot of things have gotten unusable. The internet's gotten unusable. A lot of websites are unusable, just unusable. I didn't expect things to get so unusable in the last few years. But uh, anyway, uh, I don't know. It's just funny. Like, like you have this access to so much. And people always point this out. But the reason they always point it out is because it's always true, which is just that the more you have access to, the more you'll be bored by stuff. Like I remember being a kid and having 10 CDs or something at one point and just being like, man, I can listen to whatever I want. I can listen to any one of these 10 CDs and I won't be bored. And then now I'm at a point where like I sold a lot of my record collection. I still have a lot, but I, I sold a lot of things that I just knew I was just holding on to just to hold on to them. But when I look at like what I have now, it's like tons of stuff, stuff that I absolutely love that it's probably been years since I listened to, but I'm just like, eh, this looks boring. I'm bored by this. Um, so it's like, no matter how much access we have, we get bored. Um, but anyway, like the whole, the whole point of bringing boredom up is just that like treating it like, you know, you can't pretend boredom is fun or stimulating, but just kind of appreciating that it is not letting it get to you. But the problem with boredom is your mind does things to try to not be bored. And that means ruminating and obsessing. And that just makes people miserable. I do plenty of it naturally. I'm an obsessive person. Like people who really know me know that if something's bothering me, I just repeat the same aspects of it over and over again. I'm just like, one last thing. One last thing about that. And then I just say the same thing I've been saying the entire time. That usually comes when it's like I'm just obsessing about something that I, I'm not happy with or that, I have, that I'm anxious about in any way. But, you know, training yourself not to do that as much because you're going to do it a certain amount, but training yourself not to do that as much because it doesn't help you for one. It, it doesn't help you solve problems. This is just generic self-help sounding shit, but uh, it's true. It's like it, it really isn't going to, you know, there's no, you're not doing an equation in your head. And it's good to acknowledge things. I think like when you, it's kind of like venting because that's what you're doing is you're venting to yourself. When you're thinking obsessively about one thing, you're kind of venting internally. But just like venting with other people, it's good to acknowledge it. I've always found it I've always found it very good when like you and a coworker are upset about the same thing or you and a friend anything like that and you are like hey fuck that right and they're like yeah I've been thinking the same thing fuck that you know that's a it's it's always a good feeling 
and it kind of helps confirm reality and and confirm your own sanity to be able to do that with people. But then you you kind of get it. Then you start like going on about it, like you bring it up, you acknowledge it when you vent, and then it's good to vent a little bit. You know, after you acknowledge it, it's good to vent a little bit. Like here are the finer details of why I'm pissed, and they're like interesting. Many of those details are the same reason I'm pissed, but I'm also pissed about this. Like it's good to do that a little bit. But anybody who's ever known another human being, who's ever like had coworkers or classmates or a job, uh, you know, a job or friends or anything, anybody who's been alive and interacted with other human beings knows that it's like it feels incredibly good when you first start venting with somebody about something. But it reaches a point where like the train goes off the rails and you realize you're venting just to vent. And that now becomes sort of the basis of your relationship or the basis of your interactions. Even if it's somebody that you're close to and there's plenty of other stuff to talk about, it's very easy like once you open the vent to then like contact them or go up to them and be like, oh, hey, and this, did you notice this? Like you start looking for fuel and you think about it. You start thinking about it and it no longer becomes productive. Like it's quote unquote therapeutic to vent with somebody, but it reaches a point where it no longer has any value and you have to stop doing it. And you, you usually get a feeling like when a conversation reaches that point where you're like, oh yeah, this needs to stop. We need to stop ranting and raving about this person or this thing. And when I used to go out to drink with coworkers at an old job, like I worked at this place where we would drink together a lot, it was a lot of fun and it was good for venting, as you'd expect from coworkers drinking, but it would always reach a point where like it suddenly became like all we were talking about, it became what we did every time we met up and you kind of get this feeling, it's almost feverish, like you almost feel like a, a heat, like a hotness in your face where you're like, oh shit, like. We crossed that line. Not with you didn't cross a line in terms of like what you said. It's like now we're we've crossed into just doing this. But it's what you do privately too. It's what you do in your own head, where you're like, I'm just going over this and going over this. And then it, if the alternative is boredom or something, if the alternative doesn't seem better. You'll just kind of default to that all the time. And you'll notice it's always something new. In the moment, it seems like the biggest deal in the world. Oh, this thing that's bothering me? Oh, you mean the most important thing in the world? You know, that's how it feels in the moment. But it's funny to look back and, and think about those things. Like, yeah, sometimes it's something you worry about for a long time. But many in many cases, it's something that goes away. Or it's something you can't do anything about. And you either just make peace with it or move on. But it's funny to think back about those things that worry you. Like I can think back about things I was worrying about or anxious about two and a half months ago. And I'm like, wow, that was a lifetime ago. I don't even relate to that person. And that was just a couple months ago. I don't even relate to the person who was thinking those things that night. But guess what? Me two months from now will be looking at me right now and be like, oh, you're worrying about that? I don't even relate to you. Future me will be will be saying the exact same thing I'm saying to past me, which is I don't even relate to you right now. I don't even relate to you, you know? Uh, 
anyway, though, it's, um, what was I going to say? I don't know, just that, that rumination and, and that's, you know, what leads to so much unhappiness. That's why, that's why most people are in a state of like sustained unhappiness or some kind of depression is because it's like, they're just thinking about things that bother them all the time. They're usually, you know, usually that's a part of it. Like very few people who are unhappy don't have something on their mind. Like, yeah, sometimes it's circumstantial, sometimes it's chemical, but for the most part, anyone who's just not doing well, it's like something's on their mind and they're thinking about that thing a lot. You know, working in retail management now, every single day, one of my main, one of the only things bothering me is just trying to make sure people aren't unhappy. Because going from an entirely different environment to this, a way broader group of people in terms of age, background, ethnicity, just what they're doing with their lives than I've dealt with in a long time. And it's like every single person and probably everybody, I mean, that's, that's not what I meant to say. I mean, I said like every single person, no, I said it right. Every single person and everybody together, there's a good chance like all of them have something that's bothering them on any given day. And if it gets to me, it means it has to be dealt with or it's something I have to keep in mind moving forward. And it can change from day to day. Like, oh, today uh, she's unhappy with her because she didn't like the way she talked to her through the radio. Oh, he's upset about this person because he thinks that she stole his sale and, uh, you know, this or that. Like, there's always something... And I mean, just to give you a little snapshot, it's like we hired this guy about a month, month and a half ago. He's like a 29-year-old Filipino guy. He came from the Philippines. He's never had a job. And my floor manager, she's like a 48-year-old Filipino woman. And so she took him under her wing because she speaks Filipino fluently, obviously. And since he's from the Philippines and doesn't really speak English, like she just kind of took him under his, her wing. She's gotten close to his parents. You know, it's a Filipino thing. They, you know, she got close to the family because they have this Philippines connection. But recently, and he, he's been an amazing, for a guy who's never had a job before and he's 29, he's just, a, he's like this little guy with a ponytail who's just obsessed with Dragon Ball Z. And he and this 21-year-old Mexican kid who rules, like this kid's awesome, just a really great kid, great worker, just the best, the exact kind of person you wish every employee was. But like they've gotten really close because they're both into anime and they do everything together. And they're like the same height. They're both very short. Uh, they just work their asses off all day. Like they unload pallets, they stock the shelves and they do most of it themselves. Like they, they do a higher percentage of the work than pretty much everybody else combined. But since they started working together, I don't know what they talk about because there's a kind of a language barrier, but they've become this inseparable duo and they, they take their breaks together. They take their lunches together. One time I was out vaping 
and they came outside on their break to fix one of the guy's windshield wipers. And I was watching them just leaning over the windshield wiper, like learning how to fix it together. And I was like, that's, I don't use this word very often, but I was like, that is incredibly cute. That is a cute sight right there. Like these two little guys, young kids who just work really hard and they've become this inseparable weird duo and they, uh, on their break, they're fixing one of the kids' windshield wipers together. And I'm just like, that is, that's a beautiful thing. They were, they were like these little men on a mission is what they looked like. But anyway, the, the Filipino kid, he told me the other day, he's like, I want Fridays and Saturdays off. And I was like, well, you know, you know, being a retail store, we do most of our business on the weekends and stuff. So I was like, well, would it be possible for you to like take one of those days off? And work Saturday, you know, just try to keep him on the schedule we had him on. And he was like, no, like only Friday or Saturday. I want Friday and Saturday off. Like I need Friday and Saturday off. And like, you know, there's not much more we can talk about because of the language barrier. And then his friend was like, yeah, he just, he needs Friday and Saturday off. And so I was like, you know what? Okay, we'll make it work. Like you work so hard. You're such a good employee. We'll make it work. We'll find somebody else to work those days, whatever. But the the floor manager, the Filipino lady, it's like, she was just like, he can't just do that. Like, I'm her boss, but she and I, you know, we work to get really well together. And uh, she's like, he can't just do that. Like, I'm going to talk to his parents. I'm I'm friends with his parents. I'm going to talk, you know, well, she's like, I'm going to talk to him. Like, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, I'm going to talk to him. And I was like, okay, they're close. She can speak the same language as him. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then, like, she ended up talking to his parents, and then he got really upset. And so he, he's been really unhappy. And I'm just like, man, like, we can't afford for this kid to be unhappy. And then, like, that made his friend unhappy. And then word got to somebody else, and, like, the fact that those two were unhappy made somebody else anxious and unhappy. Humans are, you know, we're all mycelium. You know, we absorb each other. And then it got to me that they were all unhappy. And then it even got to my boss, who's like the regional manager. Like it's, he doesn't manage the store, but he's there a lot since it's a new store. And then it got to him. And so it's like this whole chain of people is just like, man, like I got to make sure these people are happy. You know, not even, not even I got to make sure these people are happy. I've got to make sure that they're not upset, that they're not demoralized. And that kind of thing is an everyday thing here. Every day there's somebody. You know, if it's not somebody who's ultra unreliable telling me a lie about why they can't come into work, a lot more of that than I've ever experienced. Like other management jobs I've had, like I've been in an office environment. I don't know, and I haven't really had to manage. You know, like I've done manager things at other jobs, but it's like I haven't really had to like basically just keep people in line, keep people coming to work. That's been the big struggle with me where it's like, I, you just need to get here. Like it's so cliche, but I may have said this recently. I don't remember what I talked about in the last episode, but truly as like, as a manager, a retail manager, especially 
yeah, you need to do a good job when you're here. You need to work hard. But truly, if you show up and you have a halfway decent attitude about being there, I don't really care about anything else. Like, yeah, if, if you slack off too much or you don't do anything, yeah, that'll be become a problem. But truly, like when I like I wake up in the morning and I just dread who who am I going to get a text message from this morning saying they can't come in and what kind of bogus reason is it going to be? And it becomes a boy who cried wolf thing because it's the same people. This is not new to me, but it's interesting when it, you just when it just happens. Like, I don't think they even realize it. But like when I wake up and I'm like, one of these three people is going to message me this morning. And they're going to have some new story about why they can't come in. And I've had to write people up. I've had to reprimand people. I fired a girl last week. You know, she may not even have been the most deserving one. She may not even have been the most deserving of being let go. But last weekend, I went into the weekend thinking like, one of these three people is probably going to warrant being fired this weekend. I didn't want that to happen. And I take no enjoyment out of firing people and I hate to do it. But it was just, we were having just some major discipline issues, major attendance issues. And like one person who had had horrible attendance issues, I wrote her up, talked to her about it. She handled it well. She's been working incredibly hard. And she was someone who I had kind of written off early on based on what she's been doing lately. Like I'm all about redemption. Like if you kind of get on my bad side early on and then start working hard and you correct it, you're really high on my good list. Cause I'm like, I like a good redemption story and I'm always giving people the benefit of the doubt with that. But she like responded really well, but there's these other three people who it's just issue after issue. And a couple of them are brand new and they're people who like are calling out every other day. And it's always another story. And there was this girl that I hired. She just turned 19. I think she was 18 when I hired her. And she just turned 19. She told us like she was working at a chain restaurant and not getting enough hours. She wanted to save money to go to this phlebotomy school. I was like, this, this seems like someone to hire. You know, she interviewed well. I was like, yeah, you know, she's not getting enough hours where she's at. She has a goal of saving money to go to this phlebot to become a phlebotomist. But it's like she started, she... In two weeks, she worked like four days and three hours. And she was scheduled in, in two weeks. She, she would have been scheduled for like 80 hours. So she worked, I don't know, like not even half of that. And her first, her second day, drinks started going missing from the work fridge. And we hadn't had a single issue with employees stealing from other employees not a single one there was a high level of trust like everybody who had been there up to that point was there when the store opened so there was kind of there was some camaraderie it was like certain things didn't need to be said or thought about like you could leave your bag your backpack your drinks in the fridge and you didn't even have to think about anybody taking them well this girl starts and like her second day somebody's drink gets stolen and every other person, I know this is terribly interesting, my work life, but every other person there that day, it was as if I handpicked the most trustworthy, 
reliable people that I have total faith in. And those were the only other people there that day. The people who I just, there's no doubt in my mind these people are as trustworthy as it gets. But then there's a new girl and all of a sudden a drink gets taken and then some milk gets stolen. Like the last of someone's milk got used. And so it's like two people took stuff from the fridge and then, I don't know, there's a bunch of other issues. When this girl was there, it was like she was just clearly unhappy. She told somebody she didn't like working there. And keep in mind, like, that was three days. That was like after just three days of work spaced out because she had taken days off and in between. There, She was supposed to stock an area and she just threw everything into the corner. Just a bunch of issues with her. Like, I never even got a chance to write her up. She finally, like, she left early one day and said her house had been burglarized. Because the, the stories they tell, like, even if these are true, like, we have two people right now where even if all these stories are true, we have the two people with the worst luck in the world who started at the same time. Because the stories are just wild. And this is in the span of, like, a week or two weeks. And I'm just like, you know, I know some people just have a bad week, but... You must be having the worst week. And, you know, is this normal for you? Like, do you, do you normally have this many awful things happen to you? And it does become like a boy who cried wolf thing. There's a reason why that's, you know, the most famous story. Because it's just like, now I don't know whether to trust you. I don't even know whether to trust you. And I'm, and, and the way I respond is very lenient. I'm always, if someone's new and they call out and they're just like, oh, you know, like this came up, like, so-and-so is in the hospital or this happened to me. I'm always like, okay, yeah, you know, I understand. Okay, take care of that. Then it happens again. I'm like, okay. By the third time, I'm like, I, I just straight up say, like, you're really going to have to watch the attendance moving forward. But if this, if all this stuff is true, it's just like these two people, like the worst luck in the world. But this girl, like she, she's like, oh, my house got burglarized. And then she went home and then the next day she's like, oh, I can't come in because like we have to do a police report and my landlord has to look at the damage and this, this and that it was an apartment. And I just, that was the week, that was like the last day of the weekend. I'd been dealing with so many of these issues. I just said, hey, we're just going to let you go, you go. And she was like, oh no, I can come in. Like, you know, I need this job. And it's like, I felt guilty and maybe I made the wrong decision. Like maybe I fucked this girl's life up somehow. I can't think that way, and I'm not thinking about it now that it's been a few days, a week. But, you know, I, I have guilt over that. Like, you should never enjoy firing somebody. If you enjoy firing somebody, you're sick. You're sick. But, uh, I, you know, it was just, I, I had finally just had it. I really suspected this girl was the drink thief. And I was ready to fire whoever did that, like, as a manager, like I can be pretty lenient with just about anything. Like if people make mistakes, I never get mad at them. If it's an honest mistake, I never, I never reprimand them. I mean, I don't get mad at people, period. When I reprimand people, it's just the facts. It's, it's just very dry. It's the facts. But, you know, I, I wouldn't even reprimand somebody for an honest mistake. It's when, uh, you know, it, it's, what was I going to say? I can't even remember my point. Um, anyway, I don't know. I, I don't enjoy that. And I, you know, I don't get mad. I don't, I totally lost my train of thought. 
anyway, like I, I guess just like enjoying firing somebody obviously makes you a sick person. So I, I don't enjoy doing it, but things had just reached a point where I was like, fuck, you know, like one of these people was going to like get in, one of these people was going to show up on my radar this weekend. And unfortunately an example had to be set. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to say about being mad. Like the first time I've been mad, one of the only times I've been mad at this job is when the drink got stolen. Like someone might think that's small, like out of all these stressful things you deal with, out of all these crazy situations you deal with, the thing that upsets you the most is a drink getting stolen. And absolutely, if employees feel like they can't keep their drinks in the employee fridge in the break room without somebody taking them, you lose all trust. You lose trust between everybody there. And that undermines everything. And it's just, if you have a Dr. Pepper in the fridge and you're really looking forward to drinking that Dr. Pepper and it's just gone, that's devastating. Because something I've realized about this job too is like a lot of people, like they order food every day. Like I've never, I've never like gotten fast food or takeout or like treats. I do very little of that. Like I usually bring what I need. At most, maybe I'll buy a Diet Pepsi, something like that. But it's like people really like to get through a day. It's like, and I'm not saying this in a condescending way at all, but like they really need their treats. And I mean, that's how I feel. Like if I buy a Diet Pepsi, like thinking about how I would feel in that situation, I know how I'd feel. Everybody knows how they'd feel. But like if I had a Diet Pepsi that I brought to work and I put it in the fridge, like I would be looking forward to that all day. That would just be a little something. Like that would be a treat or something I need. And if I just went and it was gone, I just one, I'd be like, who the fuck took this? Who who's the who's the thief? But number two, I'd be like, I was just deprived of something that I wanted. It was mine. So I I you know, I didn't talk to anybody, even though I suspected this girl, I didn't address it with her, because you can't just accuse somebody of something you have no proof of. But from that moment on, I was just I was like, I made the wrong decision. I shouldn't have hired this girl. And then her calling out and then uh, just I, every time I saw her, she just bummed me out. Just her like body language and vibe. It was just she just seemed really unhappy for someone who was only, you know, a couple days in three days into a new job. It was just like, I don't even want to look at her. And the fact that she was doing so much stuff, not not she was going to the bathroom and just sitting on the toilet with her pants on. Like somebody told me this. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't find this out myself, but cause, cause the thing is everybody there notices everything everybody's doing. It's amazing how like word travels through a retail store about like what the, what so-and-so did or like this, but like one of the employees had gone in the restroom and like sat in one of the stalls and saw that like this girl was in the stall next to her with like just sitting there and just on her phone and she was in there for a while a long time just hiding and people who do that they never realize how long that makes your day like i've never been the type of person to do that like when i'm at work to go hide somewhere and look at my phone or just hide period but it's like that makes your day so much longer 
just working hard makes your day shorter. And then you don't think about it when you go home. Like when you don't work hard, you go home and you think more about work. Even if you're not consciously thinking about it, it's subliminally there. Like this feeling of dis-ease, unease, disease. But anyway, long story short, I like I just ultimately was like, you know what? Like I'm just done with this girl. The other people are trouble, but like they have some redeeming values. And this girl, like I don't even mean to be that hard on her. And maybe I misjudged. Like maybe I was way too hard on this girl. Like maybe I fucked her life up by firing her right now. But it was just it was something that needed to be done. And uh, I don't know. So anyway, though, like. So I, I came down on some people recently, but then it's become very evident there's a morale issue. And this gets back to like my original point. I didn't just want to start a work diary in the middle of this episode. But, I, you know, it's very evident there's a morale issue. Like people have been working insane hours since February. I have been. My morale is okay. It's good. It's not great right now. It's neutral. I'm, I'm more in just like a state of neutrality. You know, I am kind of more in that place. Um, but some other people, like their morale is low. And like people on the merchandise side, like the people who stock shelves and work the cashier, is they're, they make like $17 an hour, which is, you know, above, I think that's above minimum wage here, but not a lot. It's pretty much, it's what a lot of low paying jobs pay here. And so these people, like, they're not making, like, big money. A lot of them are young. Some of them spend 10 hours a day stocking shelves and cashiering people. That's actually – it's not hard to do that. Like, they're easy tasks. They're not high-skill jobs. But they're hard to do mentally. Like, stocking shelves all day is hard to do mentally. Doing the cashier, it's hard to do mentally. Like, occasionally, like, I'll have to fill in for somebody on the cashier – and when there's a long line and you're just ringing up person after person and you have to like coordinate bathroom breaks and that kind of thing, like that's, that's hard. And that's why like I make sure those people know that they're appreciated because that's actually, it's not fun. Like at least my job has, a, my job has a lot more stress and responsibility, but it's varied and I can kind of set my own pace and choose to do a given thing at a, at a given time like i have more flexibility and stuff like it comes with it like a, a lot to deal with and a lot to do but it's at least like my own pace but people who do those jobs it's like they're not making a lot of money they're working long hours and doing mundane stuff you know they got we, they got to have some fun too and so we've been dealing with an issue with like the floor manager over there where like She's very disciplinarian. Like, I love her. Like, she makes my life very easy. We work really well as a team. But, like, she can be very hard on people. And, you know, her, her family's military. Her husband was, like, a special ops team leader. So her kids are very disciplined, very successful. And so it's like, that's just, it works to do that. Like, it works. If you want to run things efficiently and effectively, it works to, you know, crack the whip a little bit and push people. But you really have to release at some point. And so, like, it's come to my attention, like, in the last couple of days, oh, a lot of people are upset with her. A lot of people are unhappy. Some people don't even want to be here. And so, like, I had to talk to her and be like, listen, like, without without 
telling her too much. I had to be like, listen, like things are kind of slow right now. You know, the best thing we can do is, you know, be a little easier on the people who are here. Like the people who show up and they're reliable, we got to be a little easier on them right now. We got to let, let them have a little more fun. Like, you know, just uh, loosen up a little bit because I know how I'd feel if I was in that situation. If I was like 24 years old, 22 years old, 18 with one of the guys and like I came to, you know, work like this pretty mundane job for not a lot of money. And then on top of that, like I'm being pushed and people are hard on me. I'd be like, I don't want to be here. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to be here all day, every day. And you know, we lost one of the people, like they went and found a better job, like who was bringing a lot of fun to the office. And you can't replace someone like that. Like someone who's just really good at banter, who's funny. We lost this girl and she still comes and hangs out in the store. But it's like when you lose like a, somebody who's there every day like that, it sucks because you're like, this person was consistent and reliable and they had a great personality that brought out a lot of fun in a lot of different types of people. But like, I'm not somebody who makes things fun for people. Like I'll joke around and talk to people and that kind of thing. And like, I do make it a point to be light and to have fun. And I can tell people appreciate that. But it's like, I'm not the kind of person who's going to like create like an organized fun. Like some people do that. Like they find little things. They're good at organizing fun. Almost like a team building thing. Like that's not me. You need people with the right personalities. It's chemistry. But anyway, it's like the whole situation with the floor manager being too harsh. I love her. Like I, I really can't say enough good things about her, but I do think she's too harsh. So I had to talk to her without telling her like a bunch of people have been calling you a bitch behind your back, which is what I found out was happening. And they're really unhappy. Without, have, without telling her that, I had to be like, we need to light, lighten the mood a little bit. We need to be a little easier on the people who are here. Things are going to be a little slower. You know, we got to not push them so hard. But then in doing that, like I have to convey it in a way that won't make her feel bad. So like that's kind of what, it's a big part of what management is. It's like, okay, a bunch of these people who are really hard workers and good people are feeling bad. They're blaming this one person for making them feel bad. I have to convey that to her or get her to kind of ease up a bit without making her feel bad in the process because I don't want her to feel bad. I appreciate her. And then that was yesterday's problem. And then today's problem is uh, this 53-year-old this sales guy who I love. Just the best personality in the world, fun, funny, hardworking. He's just, he had it. He just had a meltdown today. He has some issues with one of the sales girls. And some of those are valid. I'm not going to go into all the details, but, you know, it involves like some, you know, favoritism, things like that. Not by me, but uh, just there's, there's some you know, perceived favoritism is what I'll say. And some of it's valid. And this girl, it's like, she's not great at communicating on the sales floor. She's 
kind of closed off. She's just kind of doing her own thing. And then the guy, he's very like out there and engaging, but she's really good at like, she doesn't make, when she makes a sale, there's never any mistakes. You know, she really understands the system and how things work really well. It's just that she, she needs to kind of be, she, she just needs to communicate better and engage more. And then there's some other issues that I'm not really in a position to deal with. But, uh, you know, and those issues are big. Like there are things that have bothered multiple people, but like this guy today, it's like he came in, he found out that like one of his sales was taken away from him because there was a mistake on it and it wasn't me who did it, but my boss, he has a policy where if people keep making the same mistake or mistakes, he takes the commission away from them. So they don't get the money from that sale. I, I would only do that in the most extreme circumstances. So this, the sales guy came in, he found out that sale was taken away from him. He got upset because like another sale he found out like had been split between him and the sales girl. He felt it should have gone to him. I disagreed with him on this because it, Basically, we have a policy. I know this is so interesting, but we have a policy where if, say, like a customer comes in one day and works with a certain salesperson and they come back the next day, that salesperson isn't there, another salesperson is, they split the sale. So if that person like was in one day, didn't buy anything, came in another day and bought something, and was serviced by two different salespeople, they would split the sale between them. This is how it works. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But this guy, he had an issue with that. Like that happened recently and he, he wondered why he didn't get the full sale. And I was just like, you know, the policy is that if two salespeople work it, you know, you might've done more work. Like you might've been the one who showed them everything and, you know, wrote up a quote for them two days ago. But if they came in yesterday and you weren't here and another salesperson, I mean, like, really, you're lucky that you even got half the sale. The right thing to do is give you half the sale. But there are many situations where people, customers come back, they don't tell anybody they worked with somebody and there's no way to know. And, and really, like a salesperson could lie. Like, if they wanted to, they could just make the sale for themselves and there'd really be no way to uncover it. So really, it's it's a good thing that he got half the sale because there was a chance that he might not have. So it was just one of those things, but he, he just, he felt like it was stolen from him and that's on top of these other issues he's been having. So he was just melting down all day. And then to top it all off, one of his customers from the other day, like returned an order, which rarely happens. So like he had like basically two, he lost like two of his previous sales today. Plus he was upset about this split sale. You know, on top of his existing, like, you know, his existing demoralization, it was just blow after blow today and he lost it. And I don't know if he's, if he's going to quit or what is going to happen because he's not the type of guy to lose it. And while I understand it up to a point, you know, and, and some of his concerns I share and they're things that I wish I didn't have to deal with or think about. Um, it's still like my advice in that situation is always just focus on what you can control. And like, if something bothers you enough, well, what you can control is whether you're there or not, whether you want to work there. 
but all you can do is focus on what you can control and like you can still make your sales you can still do exactly what you think is right or what you want to do and it sucks that there's other stuff it sucks that you know you had some issues today and that you're upset about things involving this other girl who works there but like really all you can do is control your own situation What adds to it, though, is weekends are generally busy enough, but like our store, like we had insane sales the first couple of weeks it opened. But since then, it's kind of, we've had a slow patch. Like there are some days where there's just no customers coming through. And as you would expect, that's when people start spinning their wheels. When things are slow, when they're boring... One, people aren't happy because if it's slow and boring, we're not the store is not making the money it needs to make. The salespeople aren't making the commissions they want to make. So it just trickles down from there where it's like they're already demoralized because they're not doing anything and making the money they want to make. But then on top of that, they start thinking about other things that are bothering them. And obsessing over other things. Because I can tell you, when things are flying, like we had a day last Sunday where we did the most sales we've done since the first couple weeks. We had a great day. Great day. And nobody had time to think. Nobody had time to worry. It was just sale after sale. And nobody was upset. People were happy. But then it's these other days where it's like things are slower. All your misgivings kind of come to the front of your mind. And with this guy, like I said, I love this guy. And some of his issues are very valid. But they're becoming bigger issues for me because they're such a big issue to other people. And it's like, it, I don't know. I mean, it's just my project for the day then become like today for example because this guy was melting down and having such a hard time and i don't want to lose him and i appreciate him because of that though my pro my pet project for the day that preoccupied a lot of my day was how can i make this guy so he's no longer so unhappy like what can i do to improve this guy's mood it wasn't like how can i make this guy happy it's like what can i do to you know, salvage this guy today. And I, it sucks, but it's part of my job. It's just like, what can I do to alleviate this? What can I do to make this guy just in a state of neutrality? And I succeeded for a while, but it was like blow after blow kept coming. And uh, ultimately he, he asked if he could go home. And I said, yeah, I, I said, if you need to, I didn't want him to, but I was just like, if you need to, if you're that upset, you know, I'm, I'm going to let you go home. And uh, it sucks, though, because it's like when you're dealing with people who are demoralized and have too much time to think, it's just a recipe for disaster. Because I'm just like, the good thing about my position is I'm so busy that uh, I really don't have time to do that. Like, there are certain things that bother me for sure personnel issues in particular like there are things that i'm preoccupied with or that i can't ignore but it's like overall like i, I don't have time to i'm not sitting there just thinking 
Like usually there's something that needs my attention. Usually there's some somebody that needs me, something I need to be doing, something I have to be doing. So when there's downtime, I just kind of sit there. If there's 20 minutes of downtime, because I don't take breaks, I don't take lunch, I just work 10 hours a day straight. Maybe I'll take a 10-minute break, but I stopped even doing that. I often don't even eat at work. Lately, it's not uncommon for me to fast all 10 hours. I, I've been binge eating. I, I go home, I work out, and then I just binge eat until I go to sleep, which it's been working out fine. Like I don't, I don't crash the next day. Like I'm able to fast through the whole day most days without feeling like shit or slowing down. Problem is when you binge eat, it's like you wake up bloated and your stomach's a disaster. So that's the only reason I need to, need to stop doing it. But anyway, so it's like I, I'm just on a marathon all day, every day. And as a result, though, it's like there might be things that I'm worried about or are bothering me, but it's like I don't recycle them over and over again. I don't play them through my mind over and over again. I'm just like, how can I deal with this right now and then move on to the next thing? These other employees, though, the nature of their jobs is like they have the time to ruminate. They have not even the time. They just have the, the, the ability, whereas I don't. And uh, because of that, like my job becomes that much more complicated because in addition to running a store, having to remember so many details, having all the responsibilities, doing 50 different jobs in a day if I need to. 50 different people's tasks. Oh, so-and-so's not there. I'll have to do that. Um, the warehouse guy's not here. Well, I'm loading furniture out. I'm carrying furniture. Uh, and I, I enjoy it. I enjoy having to do all that. Um, but then what gets added to my agenda every day is this person's unhappy. I, I'm, it, it, it was brought to my attention, and if it was brought to my attention, that means it's a serious problem. But you just realize you put people in a space, and this is what happens. Because um, the reality is, like, we all only know each other at the store. There have been a couple little get-togethers and things, but we really only know each other based on what we see of each other all day. And like what I've learned is how fucking observant and aware people are. I always, I always talk about this, but, uh, the person you least expect notices every single thing that's going on. They notice every little pattern, every single thing someone's doing. They're intelligent. And this is what I always say, which is that like the best measure of basic intelligence is awareness. Do you notice things? Do you remember things? And this girl who works for me was ranting. Because today I, I had to deal with both like the 53-year-old guy who's extremely upset about this 21-year-old girl. And then I had to listen to the 21-year-old girl who's extremely upset at the 53-year-old guy for a bunch of reasons I didn't even know she was upset at him about. And I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm making my job sound like it sucks, but I actually like it. But these issues are just, are just brought to me. And like most of the time, I don't even really have to make a decision or do anything. It's like I just have to listen to it, acknowledge it, 
and say like, well, that's something I'll be aware of. I mean, I, not to use a cop out, but it's, that's a big part of it. It's just kind of like, well, like it's been brought to my attention. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's usually two-sided, you know, it's usually like this person feels this way and this person feels that way and they both have valid points and they both have points that they're wrong about. Uh, and my job is just to mediate it as best I can. My job is to um, just keep this from blowing up, keep somebody from quitting, keep people showing up. Um, but anyway, enough about that. Um, I mean, it is it is good. Like, I am glad I'm the manager. If I had to have any role there, I think I'm, you know, I'm very happy that it ended up being manager. Because I don't mind having a boss. I don't mind answering to somebody. But I do kind of like having my own little fiefdom. And it's now been like over a month since I've been in that role. And I'm like, oh, yeah, when, when new people get hired now, they're hired by me. I've been hiring some people and things like that. And they only know me now as their manager. Like, hopefully they get to see a little bit more of me, like realize I'm human and I can have fun and stuff. But I'm just these people's boss. I'm just the guy who, like, I'm just winging it every day but like to those people like oh i'm their boss and i've had to kind of set the tone with some people who were already there before i became manager to let them know oh no you know you know don't mistake kindness for weakness you know um you you do have to you do have to remember that i'm in charge of you and fortunately i don't have to remind people of that much uh, people do what i tell them to do they show me respect they also treat me like a guy who's fun to talk to. So it's like, that's the best of both worlds. I have no complaints about how people treat me. Um, but it is, it is a weird thing where like, we only know each other based on what we see there. And while people see so much, that's what got me going on awareness. While people see so much about each other, it's still limited. You know, it's still what you see is what you get. And everybody has a life. Everybody has things going on in their life. People don't even know what I have been dealing with, you know, in the last few months. A good friend of mine who was staying here until recently because they were homeless and had been beaten up by their boyfriend. I, you know, my sister had, had got breast cancer again a couple months ago and had surgery the other day. Just any number of other things. But it's like people don't see what's going on with me and they don't need to know that. Most of them don't need to know that. But it's like these people have things going on too. Of course they do. They have shit that's bothering them. I mean, one young girl, it's like her like barely boyfriend she met on Tinder like stopped seeing her and she was crying and upset and going to the bathroom in tears all day. It seems really trivial to me. But I know it's not. I know that feels like, it's just like what I was talking about, about ruminating about something where it's like, no, this is the most important thing. No, you don't understand this thing that's bothering me right now. It's the most important thing in the world. It's that. And uh, I understand that like that guy you met on Tinder a month ago breaking up with you seems like the most important thing in the world right now. I get that for somebody else there, it's this or that. 
But it's like ultimately we only see each other, you know, in that environment. And, and you know, in being a manager, it's nice because you can really keep that boundary. Like nobody, nobody who works there, unless they've done some sort of Googling, what we call some sort of Googling, unless they've done anything like that, they wouldn't really know anything I'm involved with or anything I've been or am. And I prefer to keep it that way. Like if they're going to learn that st stuff, they're going to have to be creeps who look it up. But it's like they don't know I'm creative. They don't know I'm an artist. They don't know uh, anything. They know I have a dog I love. They, they know some basic things about me. But it's like they don't really need to know more. Like they just, you know, basically they need to see what they see every day and the person they talk to. Um, you know, any, any part of my personality they come to know is just purely personality, not I'm this, I do this, I've done this. Um, but being a manager, it makes it a little easier to do that because you're kind of set apart. It's not encouraged for managers to be like social media or friends like I had a girl who works there ask me if I was on Instagram and I just said like oh, I don't I don't really use it. Cuz you don't need to we don't need to be connected that way. You know, you don't need to have your boss on Instagram. Like I had my old boss on Facebook and it was a nightmare. What did that mean, Eric? When you posted that, Eric, what did that mean? He would ask me things like that and I was like this shouldn't be happening. Oh, I don't I don't really understand the humor of that. I had to deal with that conversation with the CEO of my company years ago. When you posted this, uh, what did it mean? Huh. I don't. I guess I don't get it. I guess I just don't really see the humor in the. You know, I had to deal with a conversation like that, and I was just like, "This is this was a mistake." Um. But I like. I'm more worried about other people seeing into my world. No reason to be connected. Same with the socializing and stuff. Like some of the younger people who are like in their, tw you know, early to mid 20s, they've started hanging out more. Like I went to a couple get togethers with them. You know, some people, we had a party in the store with just a, the employees, people drank. We had a going away party for a girl who left. You know, five or six of us got together. They drank. I'm cool being around drinking. I don't drink anymore, obviously, but it's not as fun. You know, it's not as fun to hang out with coworkers when you're not drunk. But uh, with uh, some of the younger people, though, they've been getting together, and like in the last week, I know they've hung out like a couple times. You know, and I encourage it. Like one of the kids, he's really conscientious. I'm kind of mentoring him. He's 24. His name's Eric, like me. Seems kind of artsy. Like I don't know. I think he plays music. I don't know what he's into. Like long hair you know, wears flannel, that kind of thing. Very, very kind soul. He's he's in a lead position now. Extremely responsible. Aside from me and the floor manager, he's the only one who's allowed to count money. He has, you know, more privileges than other people. But he's, he's just so conscientious. Like there was one day where he came to me and he was like, Eric, I'm just, I feel like I'm not doing a good job. I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. I'm just, 
I feel like the last couple of weeks I've been goofing off more. And I was like, man, you're one of the, one of like three people that we have totally, like, I mean, you're one of the people we have absolute faith in, you know, and there's a reason why, you know, we kind of hold you in the regard we do. Like I said, just keep doing exactly what you're doing, but just be more confident. I was like, the only thing I was like, I can tell that you're anxious. I, I know that you worry. And I was like, literally the only thing like me and upper management want from you moving forward, like that we want to see more of is just be more confident, like be more confident in your role. You know, don't second guess yourself as much, like do exactly what you've been doing, but just be more confident. And he, he was like, you could see the relief because he had, he had it in his head. Like what I've realized about the hardest workers is that they worry all the time. And that's probably what makes them work extra hard. But I was just like, keep doing what you're doing, but be more confident about it. And uh, the other day, though, he came to me and he was like, hey, Eric, do we have like any kind of policy against like fraternizing with coworkers? And I was like, no. I was like, I, I encourage it. Like, I want you guys who are around the same age. Like, I want you guys to like go out and hang out. Like, that's good. I was like, it's only a problem if people start dating each other and drama spills out into the workplace. Like, I won't, I won't deal with that. Like, I won't, I won't have that. But like, you guys like wanting to spend time with each other. Like, it makes things more fun. Like, and what I've realized too is like a bunch of these kids. Like, there's kids there. They're like 21. And I'm like, oh yeah, like their senior year of high school was Coronavi. These are kids who like the formative years of their adulthood and late teenage years were 2020 to now. And a lot of these kids are starved for social connections. They're well-adjusted, normal, and everybody has their own things going on, but it's like they're well-adjusted, normal kids who you can talk to. They have a sense of humor. They're smart. But it's like they, they're they missing that. Like They haven't even been through... I mean, I think of like all of the things that I did when I was 19 or all of the things that I did when I was 20 and just what happened in that one year, let alone ages like 18 to 21, three years... And then I'm thinking like the last three years of these kids' lives has been this fucking state of things. Like I want them to be accountable and responsible, but like I want to see them enjoying their, their lives. I want I want them to feel good about coming to work. I want them to want to spend time with each other and have a group of friends. Like, because clearly that's lacking in a lot of people. You know, clearly that's something that a lot of people don't even have anymore. But it's nice that I don't need to be a part of it. Like a group of these kids, they were going out today, tonight, it's Friday night. They were going out and they invited me to go with them. And I was like, you know, tonight I need rest. <laughs> I just need rest. Like I can't because it's really a lot. Like when you work 10 hours a day and you're like me and you don't even eat. I'm like, I just need to go home. Like I'm going to go home and work out and relax with my dog. Like. I can't go to a bar. I can't go paint. They were going to go paint plates. There's a place where like you, you go in and it's called the painted plate. I think those things are common. You go in and you paint plates and then you get to keep them. 
And I was like, paint me something cool, but uh, I can't go. You know, and it's, it's nice though, because like I had a boss, the same one who had the, I had the weird Facebook interaction with, but there was a year when I worked for him where all the coworkers decided to go out and go bar hopping on Halloween together. But we didn't invite the CEO. We didn't invite like upper management. It was just going to be the employees. And it was something we organized on our own. It was just like, hey, let's all meet up on it for Halloween. Kind of a similar thing to what I'm talking about. Like even then, like this isn't something that's just like post-coronavi. Coronavi. Like people in their 20s and stuff like, and I think it's true for a, a lot of adults in general, but it's like they don't really have like a strong social connection to a group or anything anymore. And so like that was like seven, eight, this is like 2011, 2013 or somewhere around there. And it was like, everybody went when we, when we organized this Halloween thing, we did it a few years in a row and it was like, everybody went and they brought their significant others and stuff. And you could tell it really meant something for all the employees to get together and cut loose and drink and just truly just enjoy each other. But the CEO found out that like we did that and we didn't invite him and he was crushed. He was like, oh, because he just, he wanted to be our friend and our boss and it was a bad combo. And so like now that I'm in that position with some people and like when they invite me out and stuff and I can't go or I do go, it's like, it's fine. But like if they did that and they didn't invite me, I wouldn't be like, you didn't invite me. I'd be like, I'm their boss. And like, maybe they don't want me there. Not because they hate me, just because maybe they're like, hey, let's just, we can talk more freely or do more of what we want. We can talk about him. Like if, if a group of people who work for me, if they went out and they were venting about me, I'd be like, you know what? Good for them. Don't do too much of it. Don't cross that line where this is all you do. But if you guys need to get together and say like, man, like Eric did this or Eric's not doing this, do it. Takes nothing away from me. But I don't even need to be invited, you know? It's like, I, I my ego isn't going to be shattered because some 21 to 24-year-olds went out without me. And uh, it goes back to, like, you know, making sure people aren't unhappy. Um, some people, you just can't fix it. Like, that CEO, the fact that he was unhappy that he didn't get invited to like the coworker employee Halloween party, which was not sponsored by work. It was just peers. It was a peer group. Like sometimes operating in your peer group is what you need to do. But, uh, it's, uh, you know, he was so unhappy that he didn't get invited, but it's like, you can't fix that. Cause if he was there, we'd all be unhappy. That was the reason why he wasn't invited because we were like, you know, whenever he comes out, it changes the tone. He gets drunk and he says or does something and like it, you almost feel like you're still at work or something in a way. But it's like you can't fix the fact that he's unhappy. Like the guy today, I did my best, but I couldn't fix it. I couldn't make this guy happy today. I couldn't even make him neutral. I did my best, but he was having a bad day. Hopefully he doesn't quit, but it was like, there was nothing I could do. I was like, this guy's unhappy and there's nothing I can do to get his elevator up again. There's nothing I can do to send him to the next floor.
So realizing that will make you happier. It'll make you more neutral at the very least. It'll make the road to happiness easier. Is if you realize, you know, it's really not my responsibility to make everybody not unhappy. If it's within my power to do it, I'll do it. But all you can do is control your own situation. And if the situation around you is so bad that you can't focus, you ruminate, well, maybe you need to change your surroundings. Maybe you need to do something else. But uh, being in management, I mean, that's something I already knew, fortunately, but I'm constantly reminded of it, which is that not only can you not make everybody happy, you can't fix other people's unhappiness. And... Sometimes when you do fix one person's unhappiness, you upset someone else. You're almost guaranteed to. You know, you're almost guaranteed to upset someone in the process of trying to make another person less upset. And so it's this juggling. I mean, talking about like having to talk to the floor manager about being nicer to people, being a little easier on them. And like on one hand, like that needs to be addressed because some people are unhappy. On the other side of that, I need to not say this or present it in a way to her that she's going to feel bad or she's going to, her morale is going to be hurt. So you have to navigate it very carefully. You have to balance it very carefully. And oftentimes it leans one way or the other. That's what I felt today. On one hand, I'm hearing one guy's grievances against this girl, and then I'm hearing her grievances against that guy. And I was like, there's no there's no way out of this. You know, I can try to, you know, make sure some policies are more clear and improve communication. There are some aspects of it I can't fix. But I after listening to them both, I was just like, yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna be able to solve this, certainly not today. And that's a relief. Like, even though it means I'll have to deal with a bunch of other shit still, it means that it's not over. At the very least, I can tell myself, like, there was nothing else. There was nothing I could have done about that today. And uh, I guess that's what gives you something resembling peace of mind is uh, there was nothing else I could have done about that. I did everything I could and there was nothing else I could have done. It's about as close as you can get to peace of mind, which is probably boredom, right? Full circle. What people call peace of mind is actually boredom, but they don't often realize it. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains 
Take.